Welcome to The Catholic Perspective, a podcast brought to you by rcspirituality.org. Enjoy the episode. All experts agree that the better spouses communicate with each other, the better their relationship will be, and the more fulfilling their family life will become. Good communication is one way to keep the grace of this sacrament flowing freely. Those same experts also agree that effective spousal communication is one of the most widespread problematic areas among married couples. During dating and courtship, future spouses seem to communicate great. They almost seem to read each other's minds sometimes. What happens after they get married? Why does healthy communication suffer in so many marriages, even among virtuous, well-meaning spouses? In this conference, we will first look at three challenges to spousal communication. Then we will look at two pieces of practical advice about how to steadily improve spousal communication. The first challenge to communication, the mystery of gender. The Bible tells us that when God created mankind, He created us in His own image and likeness. And then it says, male and female, He created them. Adam and Eve are equal in their human dignity. Both are full human persons. And yet, they are profoundly different. And the complementarity of their differences is an essential part of how they image God. Scientists have been researching the differences between men and women for decades. Study after study shows that the complementarity between the genders goes far beyond mere sexual fertility. The realms of emotion, cognition, intellection, affection, and even the simple activities of hearing and seeing, in all of these areas and more, the genders differ complementarily. Science is confirming theology. God really did create us male and female, equal in human dignity, yet mysteriously and fascinatingly different. This difference is the first and most basic challenge to spousal communication. Men and women perceive and interact with reality in fundamentally different ways. Spouses can come to understand each other, but it takes intentional effort, and there will always be more room for greater understanding. Gender complementarity will continue to be a glorious, though sometimes frustrating, mystery. The second challenge to communication, time and space. The human soul is spiritual. Although our minds work through material instruments like our five senses and our brain, our intellect itself is spiritual, not limited by time and space. But interspousal communication is limited by time and space. For example, most experts agree that the average person thinks at the pace of about 700 words per minute. But the average person speaks at the pace of about 120 words per minute. So what happens when someone is talking to me? In one minute of speaking, that person communicates 120 words. In that same minute, my mind, thinking while I listen, races ahead by about 600 words. So when I respond to that person, my thought reaction to what they have been saying is already two pages, so to speak, beyond what they actually said. 
but it gets worse. When I respond, I speak for a minute, 120 words. As I'm speaking, they are thinking, so by the time they respond to me, they're about 600 words beyond where I finished. But since I started my initial response already 600 words beyond them, by the end of two minutes, we're now separated by 1,200 words, the equivalent of about four or five pages. Now you can understand why so often we feel like we're talking and talking, but not really communicating. As spiritual beings living in time and space, we face significant challenges to communication. The third challenge to communication, original sin. Besides the mystery of gender in the matrix of time and space, another factor that disrupts spousal communication is original sin. Because our human nature is fallen, we have deeply entrenched selfish tendencies that inhibit us from being good listeners. We tend to turn in on ourselves rather than be sincerely open to others. But that's not the only effect of original sin. Because human nature is fallen, very few families are perfect. As a result, we all grow up in imperfect households. And so during our formative years, we experience sorrow, loss, and trauma. Some more, some less. This impacts our personality and the emotional patterns at work in how we interact with other people. Most often, these patterns are not conscious, since they can be formed even during our pre-verbal developmental period. So when two people get married, they are bringing to the table two separate bundles of subconscious emotional patterns that are not automatically compatible. This is one of the reasons that communication seems to get worse after the honeymoon. As the spousal relationship takes root and deepens, the spouses encounter sectors of each other's personality that simply never had a chance to emerge during dating and courtship. This incompatibility can be shocking, painful, confusing, all of which throws up a challenge to continued spousal communication. So what's the solution? At this point, it may seem that effective spousal communication is an impossibility, but that's not the case. We just need to recognize and accept the fact that there are very good reasons why interspousal communication is not always easy. If we don't accept that, we will never make a firm decision to invest in improving our communication. We'll just think that it shouldn't be so hard, and we'll start blaming our spouse. It's not your spouse's fault. It's human nature's fault. So, what can we do about it? If both spouses are committed firmly and explicitly to growing in this area, then any of the many techniques, exercises, and pieces of advice offered by marriage experts and counselors will be helpful and fruitful. I want to share two pieces of advice offered by many of them, just to get you started. More than a date night. Most married couples have heard of the date night concept, taking one night every week or every two weeks where the husband and wife go out on a date just like they used to. 
The idea behind this practice is to intentionally create time and space for the intimate spousal relationship to reconnect, to synchronize. Between work and children and in-laws, between traffic jams and social media and extracurricular activities, there are so many demands on a married couple's time these days that they often drift apart from each other without even realizing it. The date night is designed to counteract this tendency. Unfortunately, date nights often don't work very well for one simple reason. They become a time to talk about all the practical things that have been piling up unresolved. Before the spouses were married, they didn't share a home and a bank account and children. They didn't have to talk about insurance and home improvements and vacation and in-law issues. So when they went on a date, they could focus on each other, on simply enjoying each other's presence and exploring the mysterious attraction of the other person, of their ideas and feelings and dreams. A married couple needs to continue having conversations like that. But those conversations won't happen on a date night unless the slate is clean, unless other practical considerations are dealt with adequately in a different forum. So to make a date night work, it's important to also schedule time on a regular basis to deal with the practical things. One marriage expert recommends spouses in today's world to schedule three types of regular meetings. First, family business meetings. This is where both spouses can talk about money issues, school issues, medical issues, all the practical stuff. If this meeting is scheduled on a regular basis, the pile of unresolved questions and issues will quickly be reduced and stay reduced, relieving untold amounts of tension. Second, spiritual meetings. This is a time when the parents can get together and talk about their kids, about each child, the child's needs, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities. This is when the parents can get on the same page about how they are raising each child and how to work together for the best of their children. Again, if this meeting is scheduled on a regular basis, early Saturday mornings over a cup of coffee, for example, the parents will stay up to speed on what's going on in their children's lives relieving tension that can build up between spouses unintentionally. Third, date nights. With family business meetings and spiritual meetings happening on a regular basis, the slate will be clean, and a husband and wife can actually go on a date night that will feel like a real date, a real chance to enjoy and be enjoyed by the man or woman they married. L-U-V Talk. A second practice that can revolutionize spousal communication is what author and marriage counselor Michael Smalley has called love talk. Love being spelled L-U-V. This basic principle is especially useful when spouses need to resolve conflict, but it can be used effectively in any meaningful conversation. The three steps of love talk are simple but powerful. L stands for listen. This simply means letting the other person speak and paying attention to what they're saying. It means avoiding unnecessary interruptions, having eye contact, paying attention, treating your spouse with the respect they deserve. U stands for understand. A lot of times when we listen, we allow our own thoughts to color our reception of what the other person is saying. This second step reminds us to really climb into the other person's mind 
and grasp what they really want to communicate. V stands for validate and voice back. For real communication to happen, each person in the conversation has to perceive that they are being listened to and understood. Otherwise, they will not feel completely free to listen to and understand the other person's response. After listening and trying to understand, the listener should voice back in their own words what they think the other person meant. This is the voice back stage. That validates the person who has spoken and also provides an opportunity to clarify anything that may have been misunderstood. Only after the listening spouse has done all three, L-U-V, should they then express their own thoughts in response. Conclusion. The journey towards perfection. The three meetings and love talk are two practical pieces of advice that could give you a direction to take if you want to move towards better spousal communication. But no technique will bear fruit without a true desire and firm resolution to grow. And even with the desire and resolution, the challenges will all remain. Here on earth, we are always journeying towards heaven, which means that we will never achieve perfection. But that's okay. After all, the sacrament of marriage is not the goal of life, but a magnificent gift to help us towards life's goal, an ever-deepening and everlasting communion with God. You have been listening to The Catholic Perspective, a resource from rcspirituality.org. Please visit our website and check out more great resources to help you pray, learn, grow, and go. Please join our team of digital missionaries by subscribing at rcspirituality.org.